What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band, Run With It. You can listen to our original music anywhere that you stream music. You can find it also at runwithitband.net. That's runwithitband.net or anywhere you follow people at, at runwithitband, at runwithitband. Also, I want to remind you that we got the next live Live and Create event coming up April 15th at Kinship Cafe in Kansas City, Kansas, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Got a great music guest, got a great uh, guest as well for the podcast itself for the interview section. Uh, we've had a blast with these. This will be our third one, already working on some great guests and great music uh, for May as well. But again, April 15th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Kinship Cafe, the next live Live and Create event. I'd love to see you there. Now for today's episode. Today we have Jeff Stocks. Originally from Tennessee, Jeff Stocks has performed or recorded with artists ranging from gospel legend B.B. Winans to jazz musician Matt Otto to country musician Travis Marvin. He currently resides in Kansas City, Missouri. He remains active on the local and regional scenes across all genres of music while also serving as music director at Graceway Church in Raytown, Missouri. In this episode, Jeff shares his journey into becoming a pro-level guitarist. He won't say that he is a pro-level guitarist, probably, but he is, and and we try to tell him that all the time, but he's very humble. So <laughs> I'm going to just throw that in there, Jeff, if, as you're listening to this. Uh, we also talk about owning your own career by choosing the people you surround yourself with. Jeff also shares his rules of life that guide him and so much more. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Uh, well, man, you, so you do the day job thing, but you're also like, like pro level musician, one of the best guitarists I've ever shared the stage with. Uh, no, you kill it, dude. You really do. And, uh, and you're constantly going with that too. Yeah. And, uh, so where did it all start for you? Uh, falling in love with guitar? Yeah. Um, my dad was a musician and was kind of a regional level musician, played cover bands and stuff like that. And, played in the military got out of the military and played in bands forever so he was you know he i can remember him getting all duddied up and going you know leaving at six o'clock or seven o'clock on a friday and saturday and going to play and i mean i would never hear him come back in but i'm sure he was playing these you know these nine to one gigs at some eagles or vfw so at 2 30 a.m smelling like cigarettes because oh, they let him smoke in inside back yeah then. <laughs> well for sure and, and you know my dad my dad had a he had a, a gibson les paul and a fender uh super reverb mm -hmm. which i end up with the super reverb um but you know that the smell of that smoke coming off of the of the, the tolex on those fender amps i mean you can still find if you find old used uh fender amps like from the 60s and 70s and maybe 80s but for sure 60s and 70s that have been played there's a certain smell that that they have from that tolex sucking up all the cigarette smoke in these bars right. it's it's I, I really like the smell myself but like new amps just don't have that smell like not, neither of my amps back there have have the smell anymore. exactly but uh <laughs> but yeah i uh you know i was always around and they would rehearse and um they would rehearse in the garage and 
I took piano. Le- I mean, they put me in piano lessons when I was four, and then I eventually played drums, then eventually moved to guitar, and it it never was really a conscious decision to be a, a musician. It's just something I did. I always was really, um, I mean, kind of obsessive about listening to music, which I still am. Uh, probably, probably more so listening to it than I am playing it, and that's always kind of been the case. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed listening to it more than I've enjoyed playing it, but. Uh, <laughs> It was just kind of all around, always around, and it was it was never a conscious thought like I'm going to play guitar or I'm going to play drums or I'm going to do this. It was just something I just did. I, it was never a moment when I was like, "This is what I want to do." It just happened uh, for you. Now, with your dad, was it was he supportive in it? Uh, was he or was he a, like a driver for it too? Oh was no, he, like pushing you towards it. Like, no, what did he it was, look like? He was not supportive of all at all, really. Really. <laughs> No, uh, he's like, he, do you want to be playing till 2 a.m. every single right. night? <laughs> Which it's exactly what I ended up doing, you know, uh, but no, he was not particularly supportive of it or encouraging. Um, I just think that he saw what, what a tough life it, it is to do that. And, he, you know, in, in his defense, he's right. It is difficult. Right. Um, it's difficult regardless of what level you do it, you know, whether you're just playing coffee shop gigs and for fun or, or you're playing, you know, on, on the road with some major acts. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's very little glamorous about it. Um, which is what I've come to find over the last 20 years of playing professionally. Yeah, my favorite thing on, on the, when we were on the road was to take videos of the highway and be oh, yeah. like, this is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> this is what absolutely. it's like touring. And I yeah. love it. I absolutely, yeah. I, I love the whole experience yeah. of it, but it just, it's like you get, you know, 90 minutes of sexy part on the That's stage right. and the rest yeah. is. <laughs> it's garbage. Yeah. It, it, uh, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, one of my favorite musicians and, and he's, he's become a friend is a guy named Matt Pond. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, has been through everything you can do as an artist, major label, indie label, big tours, TV, you know, playing on late night shows, all that kind of music used for commercials, all that kind of stuff. And he's been at this career for a long time. And he, uh, I guess, was being harassed at the Canadian border somehow. And and he was just being really abused by these sort of border guards or whatever. Right. And he realized that really the majority of the world looks at musicians as low lives. Yep. <laughs> you know <laughs> so and it, it kind of in fact he actually had a side project called the low lives but it's you know i <laughs> brilliant it's it's just you know set between you know venue people that don't care sound people that don't care other acts that don't care audience that may or may not care you know it's like you just you have to do this because you just can't not do it you know yes and, well, and that's i heard advice given to a bass player i once uh, played with and he relayed to me, uh, a teacher in college had said, yeah. you know, if you can see yourself doing anything else yeah. and being do happy, <laughs> yeah. go do it. And, yeah. uh, yeah. and he was talking, they were talking to him about getting into the acting world. He was looking to yeah. get in the acting world, yeah. and, but he carried that into music and he's like, you know what? Yeah. I, I can't not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I've tried to quit. I've tried to quit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it just keeps pulling me back where I remember one day discovering like, you know, there's shit in every job you have oh yeah for sure so you might as well love what you're doing that's right you know? yeah i mean the, for me that music has always been um that thing that i turn my brain loose on mm. you know um and it's it's been 
the therapy, it's been the friend, it's been, you know, so like all of this stuff playing with, you know, you were talking about playing, being a great player or playing on stage. I mean, all that is like, that's real, really secondary to why I do, why I do this stuff. I mean, I do it just because it's just a thing that my brain does. It's I go grab that guitar and I just play it. And if I could get paid for practicing, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I would do that because all of this other stuff, you know, the, the live playing and, and hauling gear and, and sound checks and all that kind of stuff. It's great, but I get more joy just sitting here playing along to the records. I love, you know, that's, yeah. it, it, it takes me back to being 15 at home playing, you know, just in my music room, hmm. not thinking anyone was ever going to hear. So right. all of this other stuff is truly just like a, it's like a bonus with purchase because I just like sitting down and making sounds with the guitar, you know, ultimately that's it or or keyboard or or whatever it is. You know, it's just, I like the sound of it, making, making noises, seeing what I can learn, seeing what I can do. And all of this other stuff just kind of came out of it. That was, that also was never particularly a deliberate, uh, you know, to find like success with it. Yeah. To find any level of success, which is shocking. I mean, I didn't even start, I mean, maybe jumping ahead here, but I didn't even really start. Um, you know, sort of on the scene in Kansas City, which, you know, is a whole thing about breaking into a scene because I didn't come up through music school. I didn't know anybody. You know, I, I hadn't really played live very much uh, as an adult. But um, that was never even particularly conscious. It was literally just, well, let me do, let me, let me meet this person. Oh, this person wants me to play with them. Cool. Oh, this person, let me meet this person. Oh, this person now. You know, I mean, it was really it sort of very, spiraling, <laughs> spiraling, very organic. It's like, hold on. Now I've got three gigs with three different bands and three different genres on Saturday. What am I doing? You know, and that's kind of how it ended up. And but it was never a particularly, you know, like I'm going to play with the all these guys or all these guys. I mean, I had a couple of real modest goals that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But but all of this other stuff, you know, the, the connections that I made with musicians and the travel and, you know, recordings and things like that. I mean, that's just, I would have never in a million years dreamt that that's what I was going to do when I started this. Again, I was married, working a full-time job with two little kids when I started really on the same music. I mean, this truly is like a second act (laughs) of my life, you know, there's a whole lot of people in my, in, in the the music world that don't know I have a, a sort of a day job. Right. There's a whole lot of people in my day job that don't know I have this whole other career as a musician. Got to play with. Like, I don't want it. them to meet. They're not going to yeah. meet, or the world may explode. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you know, like the the, uh, the 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 day job folks, you know, when you tell them you're a musician, they think you're like, you know, in your garage playing with the local folks. And I was like, no, I played with like people who won like 60 Grammys. <laughs> like, yeah, so you're, like you, you're I, sharing the stage with some legit people, some heavy sure. musicians. Like that, I take this real seriously, and but I have to be you know, aware that um, music at, at any level, if you have any proficiency at all, seems like witchcraft to most people. Yes. Like, like how many people would be like, I wish I could do, you know, you play like a G chord and they're like, I wish I could do that. So, you know, the, the <laughs> and we take that, it for granted. It's, it's yeah. a, my wife reminds me of that because she's not a oh, musician yeah. and just appreciates. And like, I was, talking about something you know where i i really was just taking for granted like, yeah what i could do musically what you've done absolutely yeah and she's yeah. like she's like do you realize like 
people she's like i can't imagine getting up on stage doing that or oh, like actually writing songs doing that. writing yeah. songs playing at the level you play producing like you do ar- you know arranging uh band leading you know tour manage i mean merch right. you know, all the stuff that you i mean that you're you're talking about <laughs> 1% of people on the planet can do what you do when you really right. boil it down so um, and then we come off stage and we're like damn i missed that one oh album. yeah 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 <laughs> I, ru- I rushed that one so that one line and one song you know yeah. I was off, I <laughs> and i do that i mean i for the longest time i was so brutal on myself there's a, a, a funny story and Hein ryan heinlein who was in a, a leader of a band called project h that i came up in will tell you this we would play on a saturday or friday or saturday and he would have to budget time on monday to talk me out of quitting <laughs> <laughs> he's like i just put it on my calendar a solid yeah. two hours talking you know, down. he knows Je- knows jeff's gonna text him say bro i'm out of the band i can't do this and you know it would be here i am playing this you know this complicated improvised music that again probably a hundred thousand people on earth could play yeah you know, whatever or would want to play or whatever and i'm right up because i didn't completely kill it you know at kirby's in wichita <laughs> right that's the other that's the other part too well in the reality you know that in like we're getting off on a tangent but it's a fun tangent um the reality too that the audience just wants to experience and feel oh, yeah, something for too. sure and for that's sure. where i've i've had to learn to get out of my head on it as well yeah. it's it's a journey Absolutely. Uh, of acceptance of like, for okay, sure. this is where I'm at. This is how good yeah. it's going to be for this yeah. moment. And I'll get better. Absolutely. Next, next no, next for day sure. The next. <laughs> and they, you know, the, if you think about the, the amount of live music that you and I have seen, or your average musician has seen, because we love music mm-hmm. and like, I, I don't ever log if a musician's rushing or dragging, you know, if or they missed that solo or, I mean, unless it's like a complete train wreck. <laughs> I mean, um, for the most part, I'm just enjoying the sounds and the energy and the interplay and the songs that I love and whatever. And it's like I'm not microanalyzing. So your uh, your average non-musician for sure is not microanalyzing the fact that right. you brushed that one part, you know, or whatever, or your tone wasn't killing. You know, I mean, like there might be one person in the back and some other guitarist with like their hands crossed and they weren't going to have oh, yeah. fun anyway. <laughs> Well, the, the Steely Dan gig, I would get those people that was like, well, that guy's no Larry Carlton. I was like, well, well son of no a one bitch. else is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'd be, there'd be the one guy in the back like, he's no Larry Carlton. I was like, you mean one of the greatest guitar players on earth? <laughs> <Isn't that? laughs> I'm playing at the ship, <laughs> playing Steely Dan covers, and I'm no Larry Carlton? Oh, wow. Let me like, <laughs> ouch. Oh, yeah, that yeah. really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> And by the that's, way, here's my guitar. You come up here and do it. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other part. And that is funny, too, where the comparisons, because, yeah, you got these these cats who are like icons. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. The, and we probably I, I know I've been guilty. I compare myself to that as well, especially yeah. especially when it comes to songwriting. There's times I yeah. hear a song that I love. Yeah. I'm like, God, I wish I wrote this oh, yeah. one. It's so yeah. it's a perfect song. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, I've gotten to know that's the beautiful thing about getting kind of longer in your career and making connections you have and, you know, more or less playing at a, at a, at a, a level that, that you do. And I'm sure you're the same way you, you make friends in the, in the biz. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten to be friends with, you know, the people that I really admire um, over the years. And, and that's not, you know, not just taking lessons with them, but or playing with them, but literally getting to be friends with them. So I hear how they talk about themselves. They talk about themselves the exact same way we talk about ourselves. That's a a great insight. Here's these people that I, you know, that I just, 
I mean, I would kill, I would cut a finger off to play like them. You know, I would give any amount of money that I owned, anything, any, any possession I have on earth to play like them. Yeah. And they're talking about how they, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not cutting it these days, you know, or whatever. It's like, what are you talking about? So it's, uh, it's wild because, you know, the, I put these people on, on such a pedestal and they literally have the same thoughts, you know, the exact same type of ruminations about wanting to be where they're on, where they are. Are, are complaining about the road. I mean, it's the exact same conversation. The only difference is they're right. playing for more people, but it's identical. I mean, completely so identical. interesting. So it well, was, and I, it was in what you were talking about earlier is just this idea. Um, you know, I don't think you use this word, but what I heard in there is this idea that you love, you love the process oh, yeah. the experience of, Absolutely. of being a musician. Sure. And I think, you know, for me, I've been, I, I'm so like, I get so wrapped up in my head and so like future yeah. goal driven that sometimes sure. I just miss the process Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I get so pissed off and angry in it. And so yeah. like part of that, yeah, I think what I've been on in the last few years is learning to enjoy even that process, even yeah. the, enjoy the fact of like, Oh, this not enjoy it necessarily, but maybe more accept like, okay, yeah. that gig didn't go yeah. the way I wanted to or yeah. this moment, yeah. but the process like, Oh, we're still building. You know, yeah. as long as we're still taking that next step. Yeah. Um, and it's becoming more fun. Like I oh, find yeah, myself sure. having more fun on stage and like yeah. laughing a lot and jumping around. And <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that that's the, the, the reality is a lot of the joy in, in live playing is the, is the hang. Yeah. You know, or the connection. It's the, not only connection with the musicians, but connection with the audience. And when you are the type of person that's in your head, you know, you can sometimes miss that because you are focused on, well, let me make sure this is perfectly on the grid and let me make sure that I'm nailing <laughs> this part and that part and I want to do this and or let me, I've been working on this idea in the shed. Let me try to force it into every song, which I used to do back in the day, you know, and <laughs> so it, it's, um, but, you know, as I've gotten more, I don't want to say resigned, but just kind of understanding where I am and what I've done and what I, you know, the, the, the fact that I've, carved out this little, you know, niche in Kansas city as a musician, very unexpectedly, unexpectedly. I really just come to enjoy just the hang, like the connections with musicians and, and getting to be really like so much musicians life, especially this type of work I do is transactional. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things they don't really tell you about being a side man that it's like, you'll have a lot of acquaintances, but few friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, they're like, thanks, man. Here's your check. <laughs> Let's see you. Yeah, I'll see you next time I need you or whatever. But I've really been trying. I've, I've been trying to be a lot more deliberate about these musicians that I play with. Sorry, my dog's down here. These no, musicians that, that I play with, um, really trying to connect with them. You know, let's go grab lunch. But then really meaning it. You know, because so often we're yeah, like, yeah, we'll, we'll do lunch. lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see you in five years. You know, whatever. But it's like I've really been trying to get to know people better. This is really something that that kind of sort of came out of out of quarantine a little bit because I realized how, you know, that whole thing was gone. Like the musician mm -hmm. connection was gone. Right. Even, even the transactional part was gone. Like it was all gone. <laughs> so when, it, you know, when we came out of that, I really came out with a, with a, a new appreciation because I'd spent so much time by myself, you know, with the kids yeah. and, and, and family and stuff like that. And whenever the world opened up again, I was like, there's more to this than just, playing a gig and going home, you know? Right. So I've really been trying to be more deliberate with connecting with people and um, trying to build stronger friendships around that 
musician community, which can be truly transactional a lot of the time. Yeah. And again, no, no, that's no, uh, you know, no shade or, or, or no criticism at all. It's an observation. I mean, everybody's yeah. trying to make a living and trying to book gigs and, and find musicians that can cover this and cover that. And, you know, it can be really difficult for people to really make those connections because they're so focused on making a living, you know, the right. business stuff. Well, and honestly, hearing you have that observation, it's, it's a great reminder for me as like a band leader who's mm -hmm. often hiring people, even like random video person or random sure. sound for, sure. you know, whatever to make sure it's not just random, you know, stay. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. because it, it's like, I think so many people, we value relationships, mm -hmm. but it's a whole other thing to value it as opposed to actually like take That's that step. You living know, it up for sure. Even the lunch thing, right? Like there's yeah. times where I'm like, I totally intend. Oh yeah. Like, like to Absolutely. do this, but then, you know, 15 things happened Absolutely. and it had this and it had that, but, but to actually carve out and make time, yeah. uh, there's a, a book, I think it's called grounded or something recently. Uh, it's like a type a hard driving dude, yeah. uh, who ended up getting, uh, OCD like later yeah. in life, like getting yeah. completely rocked and it's yeah. about his, his journey of climbing out of that and yeah. learning to learning to push forward in life still yeah. with like who he is. Yeah. but learning how to do it in a much healthier way. And, right. and that was one of the components um, yeah. that he brought out was just, what does it look like to, to make a practice of yeah. relationships? It's, I mean, a lot of that, I started to notice it, you know, cause I, I was getting to the point where I re was really playing with a lot of musicians in Kansas city, a lot of them. Um, because I kind of had a, 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 a little, kind of a little area in Kansas city that wasn't, there wasn't a lot of people that were doing it, you know, which is like playing a, a pop gig with Jess page or playing a rap gig with Duncan or playing with an R and B gig with soul revival or doing, you know, a mad auto session or a country gig with Travis Marvin or whatever. Like there, I was really doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So I was, I was really spreading myself very, very thin, honestly. Um, but I was, you know, just trying to just do as much work and, and, mm -hmm. I didn't, I just said, yes, it was kind of a period of just saying yes to everything, you know, unless it was a gig, I really felt like I, you know, this is going to be way outside what I'm capable of even faking. Cause more often than not, I'm just faking it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I, I just started to realize it was like, you know, I, I'm coming in and learning 40 songs for a gig. That's Friday at the Buffalo room. And then I've got to learn 20 songs for this kid's record bar. And then I've got this at this place at this festival and whatever. And then I'd be like, I don't know these people's birthday and they don't know mine. Mm. You know, like, right. like the phone's not ringing on my birthday because no one knows anything about me, you know, cause they, I'm right. just the guitar player. So I was really, I was started to kind of put those pieces together around that, around that, that period of where I was playing a lot. And then of course quarantine happened. And then all of, all of those, you know, connections were more or less broken right. and you had to be re really deliberate about being in touch with people, you know, and keeping in touch with people and checking in on people and stuff like that. So this is not unique to Kansas city. This sort of, you know, a lot of acquaintances, but few close friends in this thing that you, that you're passionate about that you spend all of your time and energy doing. Right. So it was, um, it was, kind of the, the combination of those two things and me realizing that I'm doing all of this work for all of these people who I really like, mm -hmm. but 
I don't have to, I don't make time for them in a personal regard and they're not making time for me in a personal regard because everybody's busy doing all of this other stuff that we're trying to do, you know, of trying to book gigs and learn gigs and learn material and get better and hang out with your kids and work a job or work, you know, whatever. So it was really in the last, you know, I'd say year to 18 months, I've, I've been like, you're just going to have to be way more deliberate with it and follow through mm-hmm. because I mean, does anybody remember the gig that I played with Travis Marvin in Wichita? Right. You know, but, but I would, I would want to, I would want, and I'm using him as an example just because I saw him the other day. <laughs> I really, I really, you know, I love playing with the guy. He's a great guy, but it's like, I would much rather uh, the remembrance of, of, of our time together be as good friends. Hmm. You know? Well, so when you think about of, like a band in general, you know, cause mm-hmm. I tried a brief stint of being a solo guy. Um, and yeah. it was, it was terrible. I didn't yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. I did a like almost three week tour by myself, like completely yeah. by myself. I yeah. went I, completely I, insane. <laughs> I, I almost did. Almost uh, did. Almost I drove home during the last leg of it. Just, I was in Seattle. It was like almost just yeah. kept going. Um, yeah. but, but it's made me process like, what's the difference? Like, and I say that I do a lot of solo acoustic gigs, yeah. you know, here in yeah. town, but it's way different uh, right. than what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, just processing why, why are people attracted to bands? Mm-hmm. What is it about yeah. bands? You know, yeah. cause, and, uh, it does seem like that camaraderie. Yeah. Um, if, if you can have, like, I've heard a lot of people, you know, give feedback, like, looks like you guys are having a lot of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and you only get that through like genuine connection. Absolutely. You know? And maybe some sure. people can fake that, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it, I think those relationships are so true. And I honestly like hearing you talk about it. It's just, a, it's like a little sting in a sense of like, just a, in a non-judgy way on myself. Oh, yeah. I'm learning how not to judge myself more. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> judge a yourself. More, a more just like a reminder, like, yes, oh, for sure. value hey, that. We're all guilty. What look like to do that? Yeah. We're all guilty. We're all guilty of it. Everybody's grinding and, and, and striving and struggling. And you, you finish one project and you immediately realize you got to go on to the next project. Right. Or, you know, I mean, it's no one is no one is doing this out of malice. I mean, mm-hmm. because I think everybody on the scene, this, uh, there's a new guitar player in the city, Anthony Camarada, I believe is his name. He's yeah. moved here from SoCal. And I've started to kind of sub gigs to him when I can't do him or whatever. Nice. Monster, monster player. But I was you know, I was telling him, I was like, Kansas City really is a family. Like the musicians are all a family, you know. And there's not that much separation between you and like Matt Otto, the jazz musician. You probably never met him, but you probably played with two or three people that had played with him and probably 20 people that know him. And in other words, we really are a small family in the city. Like when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. So nobody is doing, nobody is, nobody dislikes anybody. You know, we're all just, we got a project. I need people for this project or I need to get this done for this project. Okay, cool. Finished it. Next project. What's the next project? What's the next but thing? It, and it's interesting, like, because even with like blood families, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. us, we have kids, you know, all that. You still have to be intentional to build Absolutely. relationships. Absolutely. You know, it's like it can yeah. be that family. But no, that this is good, man. I, I love this is one reason I love doing the podcast, like hearing yeah. these different perspectives and good reminders because, man, the relationships. Yeah, I think. And I I remember when run with it ended for a little mm-hmm. while, we thought we were yeah. done for good. Yeah. And I realized one of the things I missed was uh, 
the, the camaraderie, you know, Absolutely. like eat pizza in New York City sure. and dumb sure. shit we'd say at three in the morning, you know, drink wine in a hotel somewhere. Like, yeah. it's like, and I barely remember most of the shows. <laughs> oh, but it's the same thing. Like Project, you know, Project H is a band I came up with, which is Ron Heinlein's band. You probably know, which is a great band. He's doing incredible music. He's yeah. a wonderful guy. The band was, you know, the band was monster. They were all monsters, you know, like. I was by far the worst person in the band. I was the only person in the band that didn't go to music school. You know, I'm a dumb hillbilly from Tennessee. And as there, I am playing with all of these great <laughs> jazz musicians. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. But I could tell you a lot more about the hangs at the, this Chinese restaurant in Wichita or going by Donut Hole in the morning or, you know, or, or I, I was telling, telling my girlfriend the other day about like what a gig was like early on in these days. And you'll appreciate this because it's probably similar to run with it or some of these other bands that you did when you're on the road. So we couldn't book anything in Wichita or in Kansas city, but, but Ryan had connections to Wichita. So we would play Kirby's in Wichita. I don't know if you're uh, Kirby's. It's, it's basically it's like beer it's, store. Isn't it like, Kirby's yeah, it's like they're, it's one of the world's greatest dive bars. I mean, I think they won like top five dive bar in the world or something. Nice. It's like they, they're basically their Davies uptown rambler kind of in, and curb in Wichita, but, we would go to this 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 Asian restaurant there, and we would eat till we were packed to the gills. And we would eat so much that we would have to go over to Wichita State University and lay down. We would go to their auditorium. We would lay down on the floor <laughs> or on the benches because we literally could not. We couldn't function. We were so That's stuck. amazing. So I remember all of those, all of those times of going there and just like right being idiots at this restaurant and eating this great food and then getting so stuff that we would have to go lay down much more than I remember a single note. I played it all those times at Kirby's. Isn't it crazy? So but yeah, it really is. Been, you know, like I can't tell you the amount of hours in the last you oh. know, two weeks I've spent on, you know, tracking and oh, for sure. practicing for sure. And, oh, yeah. and how many hours I'll spend a day doing it. But, but here's that, that reality we're talking about, like those yep. are the important things. That's, That's the thing that matters. I mean, you have to do all of that stuff to practice. Right. It's real. That's it's, true. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all the thing, but ultimately you realize it's like, you know, the, the Ramones probably had way more fun than, you know, or whoever. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, they like somebody that's not technically skilled, uh, you right. know, or sex pistols or something like that. I mean, they, these bands that are, you know, are a fraction of the sort of the the brain power that goes into something like Project H or, or, or Peter Schlam or some of these other, you know, really sophisticated modern bands, but you know, they had a blast, <laughs> you know, so all of this stuff where we're like, if I you're not fun. having fun, you're doing it wrong at that oh, point, for like, sure. especially if you're on the road, like, God, <laughs> sure. there was a, there's been a, a, a viral kind of a viral um, interview that has been on, going around lately of um, the red hot chili peppers on 60 minutes. I don't know if you saw that, but I've not seen those. like flea. Um, you know, I'm not a huge red hot chili peppers fan. They, you know, they're a little bit older than me, but I can remember them coming up uh, whenever, um, you know, like blood sugar, sex magic came out and those records were just huge when I was younger, you know, but I've never been a massive fan of them. You know, I like, I appreciate their music, but I, I like them. I like hmm. those guys it's more than I like their music. But uh, Flea still tears up when he thinks about when he met Anthony Kiedis for the first time. Like on the interview, this he's got to be, I mean, those guys are almost 60, right? Right. Something like that. And he still tears up over the friendship that he has with this, this other wow. musician. And hmm. again, that's 
all of this stuff that we do, all of the shredding and shedding and lessons and gear and whatever, I mean, it's great and it's necessary, but ultimately it's way more about like, man, these, think of these, think of these people that I've met that I never would have met otherwise. Oh yeah. I mean, that really is a luxury as musicians that a lot of people don't have because, you know, if you work a desk job, you know, those people in that desk job, yep. like I know people and like, I just had a conversation with a guy that lives in, in Chile this morning who wants to do a collaboration on, on some, something for Instagram. That's awesome. It's like, I'm a, I'm an idiot from, from the middle of nowhere. Like what, am, how am I connected with these people? Like I know New York musicians and LA musicians and people in London. It's like, I'm, I'm nothing and nobody. Yeah, but this musician world really is small and we really we all are coming from a a, a a position that we understand each other you know at all levels whether you're someone that's playing coffee shops or you're you know you're my, one of my mentors and heroes is on the road with bonnie ray we all understand it we all understand it right like we get we know what we're getting into you know with this thing so <laughs> Well, um, as, as far as relationships go, I know one of the conversations we've had uh, backstage just talking about being dads oh, yeah. and, and being in this weird life. I think we were playing a, you know, tell one in the morning gig at a yeah. casino that particular oh, yeah. night. Um, and at one of the few places they actually still let you smoke as well. But right. they, they have good right. ventilation, which was nice. <laughs> My gear does uh, smell like smoke for a week after it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I always like prepare going in because my yeah. voice like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Drives it all out. I love cigars, but cigarette smoke all night for a whole time is, you know, yeah. whole different ball game. But but yeah, so I'm curious for you. Mm -hmm. What what are some tools that you use to in? I don't know if balance or live in yeah. attention. I don't know yeah. how you like to approach it, but what are the yeah. tools that you use to make sure you're obviously doing what you're trying to do musically, yeah. but also being there for your kids and helping them? Yeah, grow? it's a, it's a really good question. And honestly, uh, not well at times, you know, I mean, I've, I mean, arguably my, my marriage uh, to the boy's mom suffered because of my obsession with music, you know, Arguably, that was one of the factors. There were other factors, but that was one of them. I, I really was very, um, at, at one point, especially early on, sort of when I was trying to, to do something with it, try to get better at it, you know. Like, I spent a lot of time practicing. Like, I would get up at four in the morning and practice. Yeah. For a long time. <laughs> like, for years, I did that. And um, so, I think I think part of the way that I do is I is I would include them in it a lot. So cool. they, you know, they've, uh, in the early days, they would go to sound checks with me. They would go to gigs with me when they could, they would go to rehearsals. Uh, musicians would be over here. I would be over there. And I did that for a few reasons. One is to, to, to stay connected with my kids, you know, that I'm raising mm -hmm. for a while on my own. But another thing is to let them see what a world looks like where, um, people are driven by passions and less so about, uh, material things right so i wanted them to understand that there's a wide world out there of stuff that they can do they could definitely go be a doctor or they could go be a lawyer or they could go be a chemist but they could also pursue this artistic life you know and these are the people that are doing it and they're beautiful people and they're intelligent and thoughtful and and funny and so you know a lot of people a lot of children don't get exposed to that world you know they get exposed to well, daddy works in an office and he does this and whatever, but I wanted them to see this whole other world. So 
I think that that's a, a lot of what I've done is to try to include them as much as I can in this, you know, other part of my life <clears throat> and let them know the good and the bad that comes from yeah. it. You know? and, Cause they've and seen beautiful. Yeah. I they've seen me, they've seen me struggle through it and they've seen me, you know, throw temper tantrums because I can't get something right. They've seen me, they've heard that, you know, they've seen me play on big stages and small stages and heard recordings that I've done. And, um, I was, you know, neither, neither of my children right now are really pursuing music, but they both love music, which that's a win for me. You know, like they're like, like I said, my oldest, he's 15 loves going to record stores, like wants to go all the time and just dig through the and vinyl. <laughs> and I'm, I'm listening my headphone. One of my headphones fell out. So I'm just going to grab, but I, I can. Right. Good. But, um, you know, that, that they understand that they understand that, that music is powerful. You know, and that that's called like the little bit of a legacy that I've I've given to them, which is just the, the the sheer love, truly the love of music and how it can make your life better. So even if they don't play, you know, like my my oldest uh, plays an orchestra, but he just kind of does it because it's some of his friends do it. He's not all that interested, in, although he's talented at it. But they love music, you know. It's like yeah all of that stuff that I did where they were hanging around musicians and listening to me practice and coming to rehearsals and all this kind of stuff. It's all sort of, it's part of their DNA now, you know? Yeah. But um, and I, th I think there's things that as parents we can talk about, yeah. um, but it's a whole other thing to expose for sure. You know, them to, to be in an environment that way. And what I'm seeing too, it, it is funny because none of my kids, they all love music, but none of yeah. them are pursuing yeah. music at this point. Yeah. One, one of my boys likes, sometimes he gets in my studio and builds beats, that kind of yeah. thing, which is yeah. kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he's not like, you know, focused yeah. on it. Yeah. But what I'm, I'm realizing though, their exposure, they're picking up other stuff that I didn't oh, yeah. see where like my yeah. oldest does video uh, oh, yeah. and got into video and photography sure. and, uh, and it was funny because our 14 year old one day, our, our oldest, who's uh, going to be 19 here soon, mm -hmm. he he was coming to the studio with me one day and uh, our 14 year old was like, I never get to go. Like he was like yeah. pissed, but he's not, yeah, yeah. he's not even into yeah. music, but right. he's like, I want to be there. So I was like, yeah. I like grab your phone. You're going to be doing video and pictures and That's he ended right. up, you know, yeah. and going out there and it's. One of one of uh, our our eleven year old, one of his teachers, one day had him raise their hands in class, yeah. you know, and they yeah. asked people what you know, tell me what you want to do, and he raises his hand. He says he wants to be a YouTuber, yeah. and uh, she says, "Well, you need to pick something real because you can't make a living at that." And yeah. um, he comes home and and he's like, he's like, "Yeah, she said that," and I'm I'm getting ready to try to lift him up and encourage him, like, "Buddy, you can pursue. It might be hard work, Bob." No, he just goes, "Yeah," and I think she's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was like a moment of like tears of joy. Oh, yeah. You realize that you've done something right in your life. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I don't even know if necessarily just because of me, but I think like I have, you know, and it kind of like you, you probably meet people of other, I know professional actors and actresses, uh, for sure. comedians, I have Absolutely. friends who are magicians who tour Absolutely. all over the world. And it's like, they've all found a way yeah. to do this passion. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, it's like ruined the kids yeah. in a good way. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, that, I mean, ultimately like all of the, you know, all of the stuff I've done, whatever it is, you know, whatever it accumulates, the fact that they understand that there's creative people that can make that, that are, that are doing exactly what they want to do. Cause right. I've told the kids forever. I was like, very, very few people get to do what they truly want to do, but people do. Mm. 
So, you know, the reality is they've met a lot of, you know, they've met a lot of these creative, you know, again, actors, um, musicians, producers, like people, video people. I mean, they've, they've met all of these people that are making a living doing this thing that they love. Right. And, you know, that is an incredible legacy to have as a parent that you've given your children the idea that they can do what they want to do. Yeah. Like and really and in in the solid perspective of because I think there are some kids who are like I want to be a YouTuber and they think it's all yeah. fun and games but yeah. the solid perspective they've seen like you said they've seen you get pissed off because you've oh, yeah. been working on that same struggle for five hours you know yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean they've they've heard me you know like there there are times when I'm doing a recording or something like that that I'll literally do ninety takes yep I mean it has to be maddening for them downstairs to hear me hit the space bar and try it again, hit the space bar and try it again, hit the space bar and try it again. But when my wife and I got married, uh, <laughs> we would go out places and they'd find a musician, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, they'd ask, you know, well, is, that must be great. You get, he can uh, sing to you and everything. She goes, yeah. no, it's very annoying. <laughs> That's right. He sings the same thing <laughs> over, over and over yeah. and over and over. Again. Yeah, exactly <laughs> she right. loves going to shows, but she does not like listening yeah. to me practice. No, it's, it's, uh, I mean, basically it has to be torture. I mean, even for other musicians, and I don't know if your, your wife is, is musically inclined, but like other musicians being around other musicians, it drives them crazy. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I got, you know, I, we had some tension in the band van one day because yeah. I was, I was practicing some line yeah. over and over again. Finally, yeah. like one of the other band members was like, bro, <laughs> you got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, it really is. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, we get in our head so much about it, but it, it is a little bit of an obsession at times. Uh, yeah. A lot of times, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, the, that's the, the, you're right. I mean, they've seen the, they've seen the ugly part of it, you know, of, yeah. I remember I was playing at Kaufman. Um, it was with Jess Page for something they were doing. And, and, you know, that, that's a really a privilege and an honor to get to play in a stage like that. That's a beautiful, right. room. it was the big room at, at Kaufman or, or, you know, performing arts center. Sound is so incredible. And, you know, it, it, it was really exciting. Well, they saw where I had also had to haul my gear about two blocks, you know, and I'm thinking here I am playing at Kaufman at this big celebration and I had to take my gear in my little cart and roll it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the way down the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, you know, all the way in front of the building, all the way down the sidewalk, all the way down another block. And I was like, this is this is the perfect encapsulation of what a musician's life like here. I just played the show at this, you know. $400 billion building that right. has state of the art, everything. And this, the, the set was, as I recall, good. My kids got to see me play at this big venue. Cause you know, they can't come to this, a lot of the shows where I play because they're clubs or whatever, or out of the city. And here I was like, okay, I'm going to put my gear on my little cart and carry it all up. <laughs> all the way. So I was it's like, that it's, real life. it's the real life of me having to haul this, you know, at the time I was using a, a an 80 pound head and an 80 pound cab and a big pedal board. And I think I had two guitars with me and whatever hauling that stuff, multiple blocks and put it in my little Honda civic and driving back home. And I was like, Oh, there you go. So they saw the good and the bad, you know, <laughs> I never tried to hide it from them, but it's um, again, I think that that's the, the big takeaway from it is that letting them realize that you can do this, you know, you can do it in any capacity you want and it's all valid. You know, if I would have just played coffee shops and that's what I wanted to do, that would have been great. Absolutely. 
Like so, I know people who make a living playing, you know, solo acoustic gigs and well, that's all well, they do. Absolutely. And, and, they and they're real good at it. <laughs> yeah. And they are. Yeah. They can do all yeah. the looping and all the absolutely. crazy stuff. They're just killing oh, yeah. it. So, well, I mean, no, I love, I love that per- perspective of exposure uh, yeah. in that and, and including them. Cause that's been one of my go-tos of like when, even as our oldest got old enough and I, he could, the, the gigs warranted that I could take him on the road. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. Why don't you come with us yeah. and give it, give him a job. Like I need you to uh-huh. do set up. I need you to, yeah. Yeah. and, uh, and I'm hoping we get back on the road to help, you know, all the other kids experience that yeah, for sure. What's it's it like for you balancing the day job yeah. on top of being a parent and then also yeah. <laughs> being a, a musician? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the reality is I, I mean, had I, had I gone the traditional route, I mean, this is just the reality and I don't do this in false modesty or anything else, but I am good enough to be just good enough to do these gigs. You know what I mean? Like I'm at my max capacity usually for these gigs. And that's just the reality of it that I've tried to manage a professional job with being a, you know, a, a husband and for a while and a, or a partner and a, and a parent and also trying to be a really, really good musician. And I think part of it is um, just being able to truly focus, you know, um, like the time that I do have taken full advantage of it. So Mm. if it's an hour to practice, I practice hard for an hour. If it's eight hours, I practice hard for eight hours. And if it means getting up at four in the morning and doing ear training for six months, that's what I do. Mm. So, um, and also, just not giving up. I mean, it's like, that's, that's a lot of it is just being stubborn, you know, just being truly stubborn. Like I, I hate the fact that I wanted to be able to do this. I wanted to be able to do this thing. and couldn't do it, you know, right. But again, to beat you. yeah, well, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I did have that. I don't think this is a, a big shocker to anybody, but I did have a chip on my shoulder for a while on the scene because I didn't go to music school. I didn't have any help from anybody. I didn't know anybody in this. I'm not from here. You know, I, I came up musically the hardest way you could possibly do it, you know, complete, almost entirely completely on my own self-taught. I had to learn to read music. I had to learn to, to play jazz. I had to learn to play. I mean, all of that stuff I did for the most part by myself. And, you know, I was playing around people that went to music school and got to have that experience and got to have great teachers to ask questions and they got to do the hangs and they got to do the sessions and they got to do this or people that grew up in recording studios or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I just had it. And so that did drive me for a while, you know, this, right. this idea that something to prove. Yeah. Something to, really, truly. And, and, you know, that imposter syndrome is real and I've, and I had it for a long time and still occasionally have it, mm-hmm. but you know, that I think it was a combination of, of being super focused and super driven to do it, but also a little bit of the chip on my shoulder, which again is an ugly part of it. But I did, I, I was so jealous of these folks that got to like hang with great musicians and ask them questions. You know, it's like, man, what was, what would, what would that have been like at 19 years old? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, what that would have been crazy, you know. I, again, I didn't even start my music career until I was in my mid thirties with a wife and two kids, you know. Yeah. So, I think it's a, it's. I had a decent foundation when I was younger, because of you know just playing. I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, pre-internet, you know, in the in the late eighties, early nineties, 
literally in the middle of nowhere. Like if you saw where I grew up, it's cotton, nothing but cotton fields around it. So I had nothing but time to practice and luckily got exposed to a lot of music. Um, you know, my dad's kind of classic country stuff, but also that was kind of the era of like the nineties fusion stuff. That was really great. Um, the Chikori electric band and all that stuff, you know, it's a lot of really great Mike Stern, all those people from that era of the nineties, you know? So I was exposed to a lot of that stuff, a lot of pop eighties, pop stuff and nineties pop stuff, nineties pop country stuff. So I just was absorbed, take all this stuff in. in. So, you know, it's like, I, I have all that stuff. It's back here. You know, it's back. All of that stuff is back here. <laughs> so it, a lot of the practice session that I did was really around just trying to access it all. Cause I knew what those sounds were like, mm. which gave me a head start. Cause I wasn't trying to figure out like, what does nineties country sound like? What is, right. what does new wave music sound like? You know, I had all that stuff back here. So it was a matter of just figuring where it was on this instrument and how to get the sound. So I think that that also helped in that I had absorbed so much music so deeply because of how much I just love listening to music. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's the, that's the long answer. The short answer is I just was, I just wouldn't quit. I mean, I just worked really, 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 really hard at it, which is what I tell a lot of, a lot of people, you know, younger people that have, I've kind of gotten into this mentor phase of my career, mid-level mentor phase. And, and I tell them it's just work, you know, like I have no, superpowers at all other than right. i'm just stubborn you know but like i don't have perfect pitch I, my time is not very good you know i've had to work on all of that stuff like crazy but it's just your butt in a chair putting in the work every day and if it's 30 minutes cool if it's three hours cool if it's 12 hours cool but just every day putting in the work and mm -hmm. that's what i did for a long time you know and got some lucky breaks along the way you know thankfully and it comes full circle back around to uh, the process. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, you can't, if you can't love that work, yeah. You know, I. Yeah. You think about you know Kobe, where the stories of him, you know, the night he got drafted. Yeah. You know, everyone went to go celebrate, yeah. and he went to the gym. Well, that's and true. I mean, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> there, so uh, there's been a couple of instances when people have said stuff like that. I I kind of got my start in Kansas City at this thing called the Black House Collective. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it was a short, you know, Charlotte Street, don't you? The no, foundation. Yeah, they're, they're like a, a musician foundation or like a grant giving foundation. They give oh, musicians okay. grants and stuff like that. that either. Yeah, Charlotte Street. They've been around for a while now, uh, 10, 12 years, but they, they give sometimes money, sometimes practice spaces, things like that, you know, and mm. just, it's, it's, they've been very great to a lot of, especially kind of jazz and, you know, improvisational based stuff. But um, so I, I, I knew no one on the scene when I started with Black House. I, I took lessons with a guy named Matt Otto. He recommended me to get into this thing. I didn't know a single person in that band. No clue who any of them were or what they did. But um, it was a, it was basically a composer's collective. So they would write these jet, these kind of weirdo jazz guys would write these really complicated songs, like really. And I didn't know how to read music and I didn't know, you know, I just I was way outside of my league. But they would give me the hardest parts. <laughs> and I asked one of them, Russell Thorpe one time uh, and Hunter Long were the two guys behind it. I asked those guys, I was like, why do you guys write this stuff? They said, because we know you'll practice it. Damn. So, I mean, they, they knew that I would, Man, that's they would, I would practice it. <laughs> and they knew the other people <laughs> wouldn't practice it, you know? Wow. So 
but it, but uh, I was playing in Duncan with Duncan Burnett, me and a drummer named Sam Sartorius, and we were on the road playing up actually opened for George Clinton in P-Funk, nice. Springfield. And we were both in the back of the band practicing. Sam and I were back there practicing, you know. They were up there, you know, the rest of the band was up there. It was Ryan Lee and Justin Curry. I don't know, I remember who all was in the band, but anyways, they were all up there just kind of chatting and they were like, what are you guys doing? We were just back there just practicing. <laughs> Sam was practicing his room. I was like, the practicing skill. And, um, but it really awesome. is that case, you know, it's like I would get home from gigs, these gigs, at, you know, these Project H gigs, and I would literally sit down and start practicing again. Man, that's amazing. So, yeah, I get that mentality, but, but it, I mean, again, a lot of it's because I feel like I had to make up for so much lost time of, of yeah not going through music school or not have, you know, coming up through the scene and whatever. I mean, I, I jumped right in the middle of it. You know, so I always felt like I had so much ground to make and still do, you know, like I really feel like only in the last couple of years have, have I really truly figured out how to practice, hmm. you know, so that's amazing, man. Well, yeah. learning to love the process and loving the people yeah. that are in the process with you. I, that's some great insights. Yeah, um, sure. The last two questions, because I know it's I know you you got the day job too, uh, <laughs> rocking right. that thing. But uh, uh, two more quick questions on there just to wrap up the podcast yeah, uh, sure. comes off the name. So right now in your life, how would you define living a great life? Yeah. Um, I have three rules of life and I came up with these around 2017 and they've really been pretty transformational for me. So one of them is only do work that's meaningful to you. Um, because for so long I was doing anything and it was, um, it was damaging to me to do stuff that was inauthentic or that wasn't, um, you know, that felt transactional. So only do work that is meaningful to you. Second thing is, uh, don't allow any asymmetry in your relationships. That means friendships. What is, yeah. So like people who want more out of you than you can give them or or people that you want more out of them than you give. And a lot of that came out of the fact that so much of my life around that time felt transactional and didn't feel like they really cared about me um, and, 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 and me to other people in full disclosure, you know? Right. So really like have build connect strong connections with people. That's a, another way of saying it. But hmm. I, I just realized that there was a lot of sort of like transactional stuff or people wanted more out of me or I wanted more out of them. And it was, it was just felt unhealthy. So just a really big focus on, on creating true friendships and connections with people. So that's number two. The last one is uh, in your intimate relationships, your partners, you know, your girlfriend or wife or whatever, boyfriend, whatever you have, because these are general rules of life. Um, have somebody that you want to be there with, with you when you die. <laughs> and that became very real because my father passed away in 2014. And I was watching my mom deal with this. And I, mm. you know, when you, when you're younger and you get married, like I did, or you're in a relationship, this sort of death till you part thing seems, um, it seems uh, uh, romantic and it seems quaint or you don't think about it that much. But the reality is your partner may be sitting there looking at you, <laughs> you know, right. and if you don't have that kind of relationship with your, with your intimate partner, then you need to get out of it. Mm. So those are kind of my three, that that's, those are the three rules of life I love uh, those. That kind of developed. So yeah, uh, only do work that's meaningful. Don't allow asymmetry in your relationships and find a partner that's there with you till the end. For the last question, uh, right now, how would you define creating great things? I think a lot of it goes into that. Um, well, for me, 
it's what is authentic. And I've had to really, um, I mean, that's something that's probably maybe more unique to me than, than some people, because I, for so long, I played so much music that I didn't listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was like, I kind of have a reputation for, you know, fancy guitar stuff or whatever. But if you look, if you will look at my playlist, <laughs> you know, it's all like indie folk stuff, you know, <laughs> um, which is really the music or, or, you know, like, like country stuff or nineties country stuff I really love, but you know, that, that, that era of just well done pop music, you know, and I was almost playing none of that, you know, like that none of the bands I was in at the time were, were anywhere close to that. They were all a lot more technical music and things like that. So, um, for me, it's really trying to play exactly what I want to play, you know, and, and which is why I've, I've kind of done less and less, um, you know, uh, sideman stuff, you know, I've, I've kind of tried to do more find find areas where I can kind of do exactly what I want to do as a musician. Nice. So for me, it was really, I mean, again, going back to that rule, uh, do only do work that's meaningful. Right. You know, it's meaningful to me. And, and part of meaningful being things being meaningful is being authentic to myself because I'm not a jazz musician. You know, I'm not a shredder guitar player. Uh, I'm somebody who just wants to play open chords with a nice sound, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, that ultimately that's the stuff or like come up with some cool little hooky part in a pop song, you right. know? So I managed to be able to, to start to do more of that. Um, and that feels way more authentic you know now it's 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 sometimes still a a a tug because i think it's it's every 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 athlete's nature to want to compete you know right there is that competition part of being a musician it's unfortunate but it really is and i see these you know a lot of there's kind of a younger generation of players out there um that are just i mean so much so far beyond anything i've ever been able to do technically on the instrument yeah. And there still is that part. It's like, I need to get back in the shed and get my child. And it's like, no, man, that's not authentic to you. That's not your thing, you know? And you could, I could work on it and I could get, I could do whatever I needed to do, you know, because yeah, it's just work. It's your, it's, it's your butt in the chair doing the work, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do exactly what is authentic to me. What is most like me. Yeah. And um, so I'm going to lose opportunities to play these gigs but that other people are going to be able to do, but honestly, they'll do them better than I could. <laughs> you know? And so, they'll be in their spot, you know, and they'll be in, yeah, then they'll be more authentic to themselves. And it's that's like true. a win-win, you know? And so that's why, you know, I love being able to, to pass some of this work around that I get to people hmm. that are, are newer and younger on the scene, because that is authentic for them. You know, that is where they are. Yeah. And, you know, losing out on some dough and some connections, but ultimately I'm going to be happier because I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And yeah, that the problem with being competitive, which I I very much am, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is competitive. People can get so wrapped up in playing a game, winning a game that they don't even want to play. Like yeah. there's times I'll, get, I'll see something and I'm like, I yeah. could do that. And what if yeah. you win it? Here's the thing. This is like, you know, I, I used to, I, I mentor, uh, I don't know if you know, Ethan Ridings, Ethan Ridings is, uh, is yeah. Uh, yeah. Ethan's a great player. Yeah. Man. So he took lessons with me in 2017 nice. 
And when he came here, he said, uh, all he goes, I just want to be able to play like you. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, what do you want to like? I, you know, I used to tell people all the time. I was like, you want to be the baddest dude in Kansas City? OK. <laughs> You're like, here's a ribbon. What is, what, what, you know, what difference does that make? You know, and the things that, the things that sort of drive us and the things that we think about, especially as we're younger in our earlier careers, like, who cares? Right. You know, who cares? Like, it's just, do you love sitting down with that guitar in your hand and making sounds? Yes or no? All this other stuff is cool. And it's great if you want to be the baddest guy on the scene and you want to do this or that. But ultimately, it, you just got to learn to look. Because here's the thing. There's going to be another baddest guy on the scene at some point. Oh yeah, you know, and and that's you know that's kind of what I'm seeing as I as I'm in my 40s now, and I'm seeing you know like there's 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 guys on the scene I don't even know, you know that are killing it. Like I've never met them personally, um, and and you know they're going to be they're going to have their time and they're going to be the the cats that get the calls, and then they're going to be in their 40s and there's going to be some other guys that are 22 that are out there on the scene and they're going to be like, wow what happened? So ultimately you you know you've You've got to just be able, you've got to love sitting down and making sounds. And Absolutely. it's always been like that for me. All this other stuff, again, has just been, has been a cherry on top of, of a cake I never expected to have in the first place. But um, I love that. <laughs> I just, I just want to make sound. I just want to sit down and make sounds. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all awesome. it is. It's always been that. So, well, and that's for a long time. I really wanted, to be like a dude who could rip out crazy solos and sure. you know, do, do that whole thing yeah. and, yeah. um, and be like a phenomenal piano player, all this stuff. But then yeah. it's like, I finally came to terms where like, no, yeah. what you love, the thing yeah. I love oh, yeah. is write, writing songs. Absolutely. So like, I'll forget to eat. I'll forget yeah. to drink. I'll be yeah. in my studio yeah. and it'll be like nine o'clock at night. My wife's text me, Hey, are you coming to bed? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like, I go into another world when I'm writing and I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm, and there's not enough time in the day where I was yeah. like, you know what? There's other guitars. Cause kind of like you were talking about, I feel like, like I love guitar, Yeah. but like I love guitar because it gets me to that's right. the song. I can that's write. exactly right. And so I'm like, I, there'll be other people who can shred that shit. That's their thing because that is, that's authentic to them. And that's the thing that they love. You know, that's, that's why, that's why I'm so glad to have friends like Jamie Anderson and Ethan and, and, um, uh, Adam Schlossman and those guys that are so good at that and they love it. And it's the thing that makes them happy. Right. And you know, when they, when I get these calls for these gigs that are, that I know are going to be heavy improv or whatever, I love being able to say, Hey, I appreciate that offer. These guys are going to be able to do it because that's mm -hmm. fully authentic. To them. That's fully where they, I mean, that's the thing that they love, you know, whereas I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I did a, a kind of a Christmas project for, for my girlfriend and I took a song that she liked and I wrote and I arranged it and orchestrated it like 47 string tracks, like fully nice. orchestrated. Two people will ever hear that song. Right. And I mean, I, I fully like mixed and mastered it, played all the parts, wrote it, wrote, you know, arranged it all. And I mean, it's super intricate with, with full string arrangements and, hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and, and I had more fun doing that than anything I've ever done. Nice. <laughs> You know, because it was, it was just making sounds, you know, for, for no, like it was for, for an audience of one person, you know, it was, but it, it was just so fun just to sit there and like, let's just make some sound. I mean, almost like you were talking about where your, you know, your son was going in there and just making beats. Yeah. You know, it, it was, um, Matt Otto used to, I used to have court and still have stage fright pretty, pretty 
severely, but he used to use the example. I, I want to say Jesse or Ben was three at the time or something, but he goes, imagine, uh, imagine your son picking up your guitar. Like how would he approach it? You know, when he's little mm. and it was such a powerful image of just like getting back to the joy of just making sounds like with no pressure on yourself because you, you got to do this or you got to do that. Just making sounds, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's where I've kind of come back to full circle as a musician now that I'm in this sort of mid part of my career um, where I just want to make cool sounds. Like I don't care about being the fastest or being the weirdest or being the coolest or I just want to make, make sounds. I like that's all, you know? So um, it's taken a long time to get there though, <laughs> because of that competitive nature, because you do oh, yeah. want to be the fastest or the, this or that, or I want to get the most liked <laughs> want to have this or whatever. But ultimately, again, man, I have I have more fun just playing along with these pop songs I like, and just like, right, literally turning on a playlist and being like, oh, let me just play through these pop songs that I like with no guitar solos in them. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, let everyone know how they can reach out to you uh, if they want to contact you. Well, I don't have Facebook or or a web page, although I've considered uh, having a um, a page. I'm gonna get my, I don't even know my Instagram page anymore. Um, that shows you how awful I am. Uh, my, I'm on uh, Instagram at Jeff underscore stocks, S-T-O-C-K-S. Um, I don't post very much. I do have a YouTube channel that also I think is that same thing. I've even had people that I don't know direct message me and saying, you need to post more. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I don't, I just never think about it. Um, I'm always whatever. And I mean, I've never been huge into sort of like self-promotion. You know, it's always been like, again, because I, ultimately do this because I just like doing it, you know, like I, all this other stuff is cool. And, but, um, if nobody ever heard me play, I would be still playing guitar somewhere, you know? So yeah, uh, Jeff underscore stocks. And then I have a YouTube channel that's woefully neglected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have, uh, I do have I this, that. I do have this idea, you know, as I, as I take less and less gigs, uh, just because of time and want to do other stuff. And, you know, I, just less and less gigs that I, that I don't want to take of, of doing more instructional stuff, you know, because I, I learned everything the hardest way possible, you know, like right. truly the hardest way possible, no internet, you know, no YouTube, no hard to get books at the time, no yeah. teachers, no nothing. I don't it's know like, how they learn. How, how did people learn before YouTube? I don't even know now. I mean, <laughs> you know, the reality is it's true. This is what I, I've had. Uh, I've kind of, again, I'm kind of in this mentor phase and, I have a, a, someone that I'm kind of mentoring who's a big fan of like BB King and Albert King. And, and he was, and he was wanting to know what book he could get to sound like those guys. And I was like, just Google the book that BB King used and go buy that one. That's brilliant. <laughs> they, they learned the same way every other great musicians learned. They sat down in a chair and they listened <laughs> to the records that they liked and they learned them. It's like, but uh, so that, I mean, that's how we did it is we basically just, sat down in a chair and we just learned, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, how we did it. We, yeah. if we could, if it took six months to learn a guitar solo, it took six months to learn a guitar solo, you know? So it, that's kind of how, um, that's how I learned, but I have learned how to practice, which I think is, is something that people don't talk a lot about, which is what do you do in the practice room? You know, what, what do you do? Like what, how, how can the practice inform the playing or your goals? So that's something I feel like I could probably help people with, 
you know that's awesome so i've thought about doing some more instructional stuff out there but i just haven't gotten to it yet <laughs> <laughs> one day on that one day in the midst one of day. what you're doing no, well man sure. thanks for making the time that was awesome that was really cool. all good man i appreciate it thank you for listening to the live and create podcast if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review the live and create podcast